Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Yo. Yo. Okay, we're back once again to Channel 10 Podcast. Back for another week. How's it going, man? How's everything? I uh, mean, everything is going all right, man. Just, you know, just trying to uh, get, a, get a lot of work out the way, man. That's all I can say at this point. Yeah, man. It's like... Sometimes life is crazy. We have to do a lot of things, but um, you know, this uh podcast right here slowly building week by week, getting more views, getting more interviews and um, you know, it's definitely an escape from the doldrums of everyday life sometimes. <laughs> yes it is. I must agree. Yeah, and um you know, today we have a legendary interview with uh, Tristan Art. Just got off the line with him. Um, definitely an inspiring story. Um, so you definitely want to check out this episode. I mean, um, you know, it's just interesting seeing this guy build, you know, just from animations to artwork to phone cases and, you know, just where he's come from to, you know, where he's at now, where he's going. Um, it's just crazy, man. Yeah, you know, um, just based on this interview and just, you know, reflecting back on it as of right now, I think this is uh, one of our best interviews. Yeah, I would definitely say so. So uh, thank you so much, Tristan, for you know, just being so um, humble and honest and speaking to the people, um, you know, just about your journey and, you know, giving back at the same time while still building. Um, we definitely appreciate that. And uh, before we get into the interview, um, we just have to plug patreon.com slash channel 10 podcast. That's uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash channel 10 podcast. Sign up for that and um you know just pledge a donation per episode you can do a dollar you can do 20 you can do 100 whatever you want to do help us with these hosting costs these promotional costs these you know various costs to come with uh delivering such legendary content straight to your eardrums um definitely go to audible.com slash channel 10 um, there you have hundreds of thousands of audiobook titles to choose from. Um, I'm almost done with the 50th law. Um, next up, I'm probably going to get into this book called Sapiens, which, uh, you know, tracks the evolution of, you know, mankind. Um, so, mm. you know, pretty much, you know, whatever you're interested in. Um, I just listened to Joy Reid's book called Fracture on Clinton's and the Obama's and, you know, black people's relationship to the Democratic Party, which is pretty interesting. Um, anybody who's interested in whatever, uh, maybe you want to do more reading, don't have the time. Uh, definitely trust me. Every month you get this credit on Audible and you can get a free book. Um, and not a free book, but you know, you get a book with your credit and you get a discount on any additional books you want to purchase. And it's definitely been a great investment, um, that I've made that's, you know, brought enrichment to my life. So, you know, I'm not even just talking out of my ass right here. You definitely want to sign up for audible.com slash channel 10 podcast and get your 30 day free trial and, uh, you know, keep on going with that. Um, also go to channel 10 podcast.com. Um, order a t-shirt, click on the store link, uh, use our Amazon portal, um, you know, whatever you do any little bit, it definitely helps, um, check out our back interviews. Uh, we have 
interviews with people like, um, you know, Schoolie D, uh, Gemstones, Egyptian Lover, uh, Chill Moody, who, you know, hopefully is going to be on a double XL cover this uh, year for the freshmen. Um, man, so many different people. Gemstones, Mateo Urella, Gista, and Blacknificent. Um, DeRay DeRay McKesson. McKesson. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can't forget that one. Can't forget that one. Um, you know, uh, just so many people now. Tristan Art. So check that out. Um, you know, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Uh, like the Facebook page. Everything you need. Yeah, it's right on Stitcher. Yeah, Stitcher. Uh, SoundCloud. All of that. You know, Channel Ten podcast yourself out because we're hitting you hard this year. Definitely. Um. And that's all I got to say. Uh, you got anything? Um, I guess in closing, you know, make sure that you hit us up at channel10podcast at gmail.com. Uh, just hit us up for any kind of comments, anything that you think that we could possibly do to make the show better. Um, you know, who you would maybe like to see, especially for the Baltimoreans out there, who you may want to see from the Baltimore or the DMV area that we could get on so you can get to know more about them and stuff like that. Or just to hit us up just to say what's up. All for it. All for it. So uh with that being said, let's start the show. Bow. We used to be like see her then channel ten. And we used to think the people would catch on. No, but if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got time warner or whatever. Like well, I didn't know that. do it, yo. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Roll up, yeah. CNN. Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Yo, we're back once again. It's the Channel 10 podcast. It's the almighty AR in the building, Artic, and I'm alongside Singar Superior. And today we have a very special guest, um, an esteemed artist in the Baltimore area, goes by the name of Tristan Art. Um, And he just, I mean, if you just go to his website, uh, Tristan Art, um, is TristanArt.com, you can go ahead and see. um, TristanArt.com. That's right. Everything that he has going on from cell phone cases to clothing line to cartoons and um you know we're we're very excited to have you on the show how's it going tristan everything is good man thanks for having me again thanks for having me oh no doubt no doubt um so i guess just to get it um started off uh where are you from originally uh i'm from south carolina i'm from a very uh small place in south carolina called anderson uh if you guys are familiar with clemson i know they were big in college football this past season uh, it's about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, give or take, uh, away from Clemson. So I'm from a very small area in uh, South Carolina called Anderson. Okay. And, um, and what was it like growing up there? Uh, well, honestly, there was limited things to do and, and I'm being very nice when I say limited things to do. There was actually nothing to do, mm. but, uh, you know, I, uh, the, the guys that I kept around me, we made the best out of that situation. And, uh, you know, there they, they weren't things to do. Luckily, I, I left after high school. 
but you know, because in high school, you know, you're you're able to be entertained by not doing much. You know, you go to a football game here, there, you play sports. You you really your attention doesn't really it doesn't require much when you're in high school. So uh, me being in high school, it, it helped me get through that area. And I, like I said, we made the best out of uh, the, the little bit that we had to do there. Okay. Now, was it like a diverse type of area or um, like, were there a lot of uh, black people? Definitely. Or? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, that area could be very rough. That area could be very rough. You know, if, if you're from this side, that side may not like you, vice versa. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's not too, too, too many black people there as far as the population. Uh-huh. So you, you, you just have to uh, kind of stick with what you know. But uh, myself, I, I'm... I get along with everybody, so uh, I, I mixed with every crowd when I was in school, and it, it made it much easier for me. Hmm. So uh, during this time, did you like, when, uh, back in South Carolina, did you like kind of live in your mind and kind of, you know, hone your artistic, you know, creative abilities during that time? Well, during high school, uh, high school, middle school, high school, I did, uh, I was in a lot of art programs. I was in, not not just like cartoons alone and drawing. I used to be in drama and things like that. Uh, and, you know, I used to make like prank call CDs and, you know, make funny country music songs and, and things like that. So I was always in touch with my artistic ability, but nowhere close to where I am now. It, that that grew over time. And uh, I would, like I said, I was heavy in the sports. I was a big time, big time soccer player mm. uh, back in South Carolina. But, uh, but the, the the artistic ability came uh, maybe about four years ago. Like it really, really started to channel that like four years ago. Okay. Now, uh, what uh, made uh, what made you make the move to Baltimore? Man, I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest with you guys. I was uh, back in two thousand. I graduated high school in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I had a full ride to play soccer and I declined that. I didn't go to college because I just felt like it was a waste of time. I was going to just go and chase girls and, you know, I was going to basically probably flunk out of school, to be honest. So I didn't go to college. So that was 2007. So uh, I did a couple of jobs in a lot of factories, uh, you know, like basically assembly line jobs in uh 2008 and i was like man this is this is not life i i I can't just you know do this nine to five it's i always felt like i was better than that like i was not not knocking anybody who has a nine to five but uh, you know 18 years old you you really can't tell us anything and and definitely just working in the plant wasn't going to be the way that i was going to go out so uh 2008, my brother was uh, throwing parties in Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that, but that's about three hours away from Anderson. And uh, he invited me to a party. So I came to a party and and it was like crazy packed and the atmosphere was just so amazing. And it was so many girls there and they were my age. And I was like, yo, I'm never going back to Anderson. So... uh, uh, yeah, yeah, man, I loved it. So I, I I started helping him throw parties, and we just made we made a we made a hundred thousand dollars in that year. 
Wow. For, we generated $100,000 in that year for the club. And, you know, we were just being young, spending money, you know, uh, not really thinking. And we had, uh, we had, we had 15, no, excuse me. We had 30 grand say in the safe. We had 30 grand in the safe. And we, we really try to give Charleston, uh, we really try to give Charleston the feel of having celebrities, almost like a Miami feel or a, a New York scene where you'll see a celebrity like any given day of the week. So I think that's where we went wrong. You know, we, we were booking celebrities. Uh, we lost 30 grand in six days. We would, you know, I think we we rented a venue. It was like uh, 1500 capacity. I think we spent two grand on the venue. Maybe 88 people showed up. You know, we Dang. got sponsored by Ciroc, spent 2000 on the couch for the VIP. Uh, we, you know, lighting was like 500, renting lights, just trying to give them that Miami feel. And I don't think that city was ready for something like that. So uh, we lost the money. And I had to do what any dude doesn't want to do, and that's go back home. Mm. So. Uh, and, and that, that really killed me right there. Uh, I had to go back home and I had to live with my mother. And I, I, I don't know if you guys ever had to do that, but that's the worst feeling in the world for any man, uh, who considers himself a man. So I, I, uh, I went back home. It was a span of two weeks where I didn't even go outside. I was so depressed. Like I didn't go outside. I was barely eating. Cause you know you, you you lose that kind of money, that kind of lifestyle. It's just it hurts to go back to what I went to. So uh, I was living with my mother, and she was in Anderson, and I don't know what made her do it, but she said, "Man, I'm 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 gonna go to Baltimore." She's she never been to Baltimore before, never even checked out the city, and said, "I'm just moving to Baltimore." So I really didn't have a choice. So that's how I ended up here. Mm. Huh. Uh, so to uh, to backtrack really quick, you know, back to the whole party thing. Um, what, what kind of celebrities were you guys booking, if you don't mind uh, uh, me asking? That's that. Well, uh, that's that's the problem right there. I think that was one of the problems. The first celeb we booked was uh, Bobby V, and and this is this is in two thousand nine. So don't think we, you know, <laughs> don't right. think we booking Bobby <laughs> V now. This, this was in two thousand nine, and uh, I think we paid fifteen grand for him. Uh, and then the, the other celeb that we got was, uh, Trey songs. So, huh. uh, and, Tr and Trey songs was on fire back then. Yeah, like yeah. It, it was, it was, it was right after, uh, it was right after, and this is, you know, not a joke or stabbing it cause it really happened. This was right after Chris Brown did the whole Rihanna thing. And, and Trey songs was like, okay, he, he just, he went from Trey songs to, you know, Trey songs. Like he really, uh, the R&B crown once Chris Brown kind of fell off doing what he did, you know, so uh, that was supposed to be like our breadwinner, but it just it just didn't work. It was a lot of other things that factored into that party not working, but it is what it is, man. You, I, I learned a lot from party promoting, man, in business. Mm. What are some of the uh, takeaways that you took from that experience? 
Well, I learned, number one, that you cannot trust people. <laughs> it's very, very hard to trust people uh, in business, and it's, it's hard to trust people in party promoting. Uh, you know, a lot of people are with you when you're up, and not many are with you when you're down, if any. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's just the business is so shady, man. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. The business is so shady, man. And, and you guys... You guys doing the podcast, man. I'm pretty sure you know you have people steal your ideas and and you like that. And where, where y'all get that from? You know, but <laughs> if if you if you scream if you scream it to the world, you look like a hater, right? You know. Yeah. So uh, it's it's just like an internal battle that you have, and it makes it hard for people who are genuine that you do want to work with. So uh, that's you know that's that's. That's that's a few of the things that I take away with you know trying to keep it as PG as possible. Mm. I guess um, just a sidebar um, on a music note, um, you know, that's a debate that goes on about Chris Brown and Trey songs. Do you think Trey songs, um, even with the songs that he had, do you think he would have um, reached the heights that he did had the Chris Brown situation not transpired? Uh, you know, that's kind of tough, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, it's, it's like, these artists have like a three-year window. Like, of, of course, you got your people, you know, your legends who are going to be around, your Jay-Zs, your Nas, people like that. They're going to be around forever, you know. But uh, you, you, you got to think maybe two or three years ago, you couldn't tell people that 2 Chains was the best rapper, you know. Mm-hmm. Now with, yeah. now Future has his chance at, you know, being on top of the game. And, and, and the minute somebody else comes along, it's like people are tired of, 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 future and eventually and 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 the same thing is is with uh with r&b because you you look august alcina a couple years ago he was like america's hot throb or, or you know black females he was there america's hot throb and then this bryson tiller guy comes along and it's like oh well we're tired of him it's like we don't let two people be great at once yeah. it's like you have to be it's it's only one that could be great at a time and that's weird in our community and it shouldn't be like that because we have so much talent and i think that's part of the reason why we take advantage of it Mm -hmm. so um and you know i guess i guess you know we'll talk about it later you know your build and progression to i guess kind of not be in that situation with everything that you're doing but um Mm -hmm. you know coming to baltimore initially what effect did it have on you uh man i uh Originally, I wasn't a fan of it because, uh, well, first of all, you know, I love the South uh-huh. and uh, I just I was so stuck in my ways as far as living in the South. And, you know, I just got kind of comfortable with the with the pace of living. So I had to adjust to the pace of living. I had to adjust to the people. I had to adjust to the females. I didn't know anybody, you know, and it's not like being 16 and moving where you're going to be in school interacting with two, 300, 400 people a day. It's like when you're, when you're 19, 20, there's no school. So you come in here and you, you know, you may meet like two or three people a day, you know? So I had to get adjusted to their way of life and still maintain who I was without changing, you know, to try to be this Baltimore native. I'm still a guy I was down south. I just happened to be in another city, uh, but I wasn't a fan of it. Mm. What are some of the first things that you jumped into once you got here? 
Uh, man, the first thing I try to do was get a job. That's the first thing I try to do is get a job. I know I said, because I was going to build my money back up and try to go for another business venture. So, uh, you know, I applied for odd jobs like uh, Bowling Alley. I applied for a job at Best Buy, I believe, Payless. Uh, it was uh, the grocery store. I, I, I applied for everything and I didn't get not, I got one call back from a bowling alley. Didn't have a car. I walked five miles to the bowling alley and then five miles back. But when I walked five miles to the bowling alley to get there, I, I, I swear to you, man, I walked in there. As soon as I walked in there, the lady looked me up and down, top to bottom. She was like, yeah, this job not for you. So I didn't even get the interview. You know, it it, it was just crazy, man. It's like I tried everything and it, nothing was going to work. So oh, nothing did work. So I was like, man, this I can't do this. Mm. But you did uh, eventually get a job, right? Because um, I noticed on your Instagram account, you posted um, uh, a check from a job. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's my paycheck stuff from uh, from uh, one of the factory jobs that I had. Oh, and it okay. was like, a, yeah, it was like a, it was like a throwback Thursday thing. And I was like, man, I could I can never go back to this again, you know. Uh, it, it was just a day. I still keep those paychecks. I still <laughs> yeah. keep those paychecks. As a matter of fact, uh, at one of those jobs, I uh, two of my buddies from high school, they was like, yeah, man, we in this plant. We making $10 an hour, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I, I, coming out of high school, that seemed like pretty good money. So, uh, you know, I, I jumped on that job. I went through a temp service and did everything I got in that job. And uh, I think I got my first paycheck and it was like a hundred lower than theirs. And they was like, Oh, that's because, uh, that's because you had to pay for your uni- uniform and, oh, and the drug tests and all that stuff. So, so I was like, all right, cool. Well, you know, next week we, 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 we can charge that to the game. So next week I got my check and it was a hundred less than theirs. Again, I was like, yo, why is my check smaller than yours? And I work the same amount of hours, but you, you guys know that temp agencies got to get their cut. So, uh, one night we was all sitting at the lunchroom, the break table and, uh, and, and the supervisor, he used to just, he, I don't even think he was a supervisor. He was, uh, he was a line leader. As a matter of fact, he just looked just like John Candy. If, if y'all are familiar with John Candy, uh, he's, he's the guy, he's the actor from uncle Buck. It's a nineties movie, uh. fat white dude. So he used to just, <laughs> he used to just stare at me, stare at me, grill me. Like he owned me almost. And that burned me up, you know? So we was at the lunch table in the lunchroom and, and I told him, I said, man, his name is Thomas. I said, I, I don't like the way Thomas looking at me, man. I, I don't think I'm going to work here no more. I said, uh, I said, after lunch, I'm going home because I used to work the night shift uh, 10 to 7. So they was like, man, you ain't going nowhere, man. You can go back there and do your job. I said, all right. So the bell rung after lunch and everybody started to go back to their uh, assembly line and I stayed in the lunchroom. Ate for about 30 extra minutes, went to my locker, uh, changed my clothes and went home and never showed back up to that job. I know that's not how you should do it, but I was like, man, they ain't paying nothing up here anyway. So uh, yeah, they treat you like crap at those jobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I, can you curse on this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, OK. All right. Okay, yeah, they 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 do treat you like shit, man. They don't care about their employees, and that's that's most companies, man. They don't give a shit, man. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. So during this whole um, transition, you know, um, um, was your mother uh, supportive or, or um, you know, was she uh, pushing you to go to school or anything like that? Uh, no, but she's she's like one of those. She was in the Navy for 20 years uh, before she retired. And, you know, uh, when you got older parents, they think either work or military, you know, so she kind of was putting that military bug in my head, but I wasn't feeling that. You yeah. Know? So, uh, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that I wasn't feeling the military. I just, I, I couldn't do it. And man, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't work and I couldn't be in the military. That, that just wouldn't work for me. Mm. Uh, now, now you also, you have uh, younger siblings also, right? Oh uh, yeah. I have a younger brother. Okay. Um, and so did, uh, did, did he also come to both? Baltimore with you guys? Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he came. Okay, yeah. So like, um, so how, so how was your your uh your youngest bro- your younger brother's transition to uh, Baltimore too during this time? Well, he's he's in uh he's in school. So, uh, at first, I think well, I I think it was much easier for him than it would have been for me because he's in school. So you. You know, when you're the new guy in school and, and I was telling him before he went to school, I said, man, you can be the shit when you go to school because all these young girls, they don't they don't seen all these dudes that they in school with. And now you just, you know, you have this mystique about you, you're this mysterious guy that nobody knows about. So they're going to try to take their time to figure out to know you. And, and And I remember when I was in school, man, you know. All the girls that I used to want to rock with, you know, when the new dude came to school, it's like he was the best thing since sliced bread. So I, I knew it would be much easier for him uh, because he was in school. And it's, it's been a pretty smooth uh, transition for him. Uh, That's what's up. So yeah. so um, through all this, what what sparked that that um, that impetus to go ahead and, and get back into doing the art and, you know, turning it into something? Well, I, uh, I was, uh, I was just, you know, sleeping till like four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon, not doing anything. And, uh, you know, taking turns playing NBA 2K and, you know, modern warfare, call of duty shit like that. I was, I was, you know, playing video games with my little brother. And I was like, yo, he's, I, I, I know how I feel inside. I don't know how he feels inside watching me do this. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So uh, I I asked him one day at the blue. I said, "Man, what what do you see when you see me?" And he said, "You know, I just I just see my big bro." And that shit hurt. That shit hurt me, man. To be real, you know, that shit hurt me because I was like, "Man, I'm not a role model. I'm not a positive influence. I'm the, he just look at me just like I'm just a brother." You know, not somebody he could come to for advice. So I was like, I gotta tighten up because this 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 shit here ain't gonna work, you know? So that's what really sparked me was just I, I felt like I had to be a better leader. I felt like I had to be a better leader, uh, for him, you know. So that that really uh changed my mind and and I was like, man, at, at the time I, I I really wasn't, you know, seeing too many people do cartoons like that. So I was like, I, I've been fascinated with cartoons my whole life and voice acting and things like that. Let me see if I could create my own cartoon. Mm. So what was your your first uh, foray into that world? Did you just like jump in to try to do a cartoon? Uh, 
I try not not from the animation aspect as far as uh, the cartoons moving. Mm. I was just uh, really focused on character design. I wanted to, you know, try to get some character des- design, try to write a little script, things that I thought might have been funny, and eventually put a cartoon together. Mm. Uh, so it really just came from character design, and I was like, well, I could uh, try to design characters from people I really know, you know, instead of uh, instead of drawing characters from scratch. Let me draw people that I know what they already look like. So uh, that's where it came from with me just doing illustrations originally in the start. Mm. Now, did you start off um, when you started doing that? Was it like pencil to the paper or because uh, I know you do a lot of digital work um, or did you just jump into the, the uh, software aspect of it? Uh, I jumped into the software aspect from for, for the only reason is because I wanted to get familiar with the programming. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of people call themselves artists and I'm, I'm, you know, the best illustrator, that's best to, and, and can't fucking draw. You know, I actually can draw, uh, but I just wanted to get familiar with the program because drawing is like riding a bike, you know, that's something that you won't forget how to do. But learning this programming and and learning frame by frame and what a vector is and things like that, I had to learn all that stuff. So I started strictly straight from the program instead of because I already knew how to draw. Mm. So Mm. was it um, Illustrator that you started with, um, Adobe Illustrator or was it something else? Uh, It was something else. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. Mm. Now, oh, go ahead. Oh, so, um, so when you first started, when you when you first started out with animation, uh, did you base like some of your earlier animations on some of your favorite cartoons growing up? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, no, not really, because my favorite cartoons are like uh, Bugs Bunny and oh, well, the Looney Tunes in general. Bugs Bunny is my favorite Looney Tune, and uh, SpongeBob. I'm a big SpongeBob fanatic. Uh, so it was just really, I, I really wanted to do like a adult cartoon, like closer to the lines of family guy, uh, mm. and things like that. So I, I was just, I was working on humans, you know, how to make humans funny, uh, opposed to how to make animals funny or, you know, Oh, Tom and Jerry. I love Tom and Jerry too. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love them too. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was focused on trying to make, uh, humans funny opposed to making uh, animals funny but animals being funny is just like that's another level of funny because like you just you can't understand it almost you know that's what ma- you, you can understand a funny human but an animal being funny is like next level you know and that's what makes yeah. characters like brian uh on family guy so so uh so so memorable because he's a dog and he has human lifelike qualities and is able to make you laugh you know so uh, that's just different now, were you um, because like a lot of people, when they watch uh, cartoons, they don't look at it that deeply. They just look at it and and then it's gone. But, you know, it seems like you actually look into the characters and the way that, you know, they were designed and, and the thought behind them. Were you always like that? Uh, no, it was until I. Until I did my first it was maybe it's maybe before I did my first cartoon. I uh, I was like, man, if I put some dumb shit out here, these motherfuckers are gonna roast me. That's that's what I was thinking, you know. Mm. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna almost study it like game film, and 
a lot of people going back to Tom and Jerry with the reference. A lot of people think that it's the content in the cartoon that makes the cartoon funny. That's I'd say that's 40% of the battle. Maybe no, it's 30% of the battle. You know what it is? It's the music. Cause think about Tom and Jerry. There's not even no words in the in the cartoon. It's just this, the music captures the drama behind it. Uh, it makes it sad. It makes it you know suspenseful. So I paid attention to the music. I paid attention to the camera angles. How long do they leave the camera on this? And it's usually like three to five seconds from changing camera angles and. And just I, I paid attention to everything before I made my cartoon. Uh, and, and if you want to be great, you got to do things like that. Now, did you read anything um, during this time or it was all just uh, just studying the source material? I'm, I'm, I'm more of a visual learner. I don't I read, but it's, it's like it has to be something deep. You know, I, I can't read and learn. I just want to like I have to read something that really touch my soul. But if if I'm learning, I'm I'm more of a visual learner. Like I could see someone do this or do say, you know, I could watch someone do something and then be able to do it after them. But if you sit a book in front of me and tell me that I need this task complete, it's probably not going to get done. Hmm. Now, now, all right. So to be fair, you know, you uh, we, we're all around the same age. And so, you know, you, uh, you, you just said that you're a SpongeBob fanatic, but you were still you, you were still raising that time where, you know, Nickelodeon, at least you had uh, cartoons like Hey Arnold and, mm-hmm. and Doug. Oh, and I stuff love like Hey Arnold. That. Yeah, yeah. That, that were a bit more, I guess I would say a bit more thought provoking. Um, and so do you think unconsciously mm-hmm. somehow, some way like, you know, you growing up in that period may have had some type of influence on what you do now animation was? Uh, it, it definitely does. Cause, uh, even with, uh, it's, it's a lot of hidden message behind in, in cartoons and a lot of truth in them. Uh, mm-hmm. and people don't realize that, but, uh, you know, even, even something like the, you know, Hey Arnold, like you said, I, one of the episodes that I do have on, uh, on my YouTube channel is called a lotto fun. And, uh, it's basically where we win the lotto and it, and it shows how people change with money because that really happens. Like people may look at it from the outside and just think, Oh yeah, it's funny. He dancing with strippers. He throw money in the air. He, t-, you know, but it's, it's always a deep message behind it. And every cartoon that I do, I, I try to put some kind of either hidden or subliminal message to let you know, you know, these kind of things do happen to people. So, uh, I definitely got that influence from watching a lot of cartoons uh growing up and uh, man when i say i watch a lot of cartoons i watch a lot of cartoons over my lifetime man Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah because like a lot of times you know just just being around kids now and seeing some of the things that they watch it's just a bunch of screaming and just flashing and it's like 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 i can't even get a story from it so um so i checked out some of the um episodes that you have up on your youtube and um you know even though it's more adult oriented i appreciate the story in it and you know some of the things um like we were just talking before uh you got on the line um there was one part where um where the guy was trying to call 911 but his phone <laughs> wasn't uh working yeah. so he was like yeah. you know oh it's saying that you know um um you know it's insufficient funds or whatever on the phone i i, I forget the exact uh wording of it but then he yeah. went to the store and uh he's like you know what's wrong with my phone it's like you haven't paid your bill in 3 months oh okay so what's wrong with my phone and it's yeah. like you know stuff like that is so pertinent but it's also so humorous at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's because when 
when I watch or, or when when I, I when people watch my cartoons, I want I want girls to say, yeah, girl, that happened to me the other day. You know, whether it's me screaming or uh, asking the girl for her number. And then when she rejects me, you know, he calls her ugly and F this, F that, you know, or whether it's, you know, the dude acting like his phone ain't supposed to be cut off. I want dudes to say, man, I know somebody just like him or, you know, I try to make it as relatable as possible. Uh, the, the the closest thing to what we know is possible because, you know, I, I, I watch there's not too many black cartoons out there anyway. The only two I could think of off the top uh, or the Cleveland show, which is some bullshit. Uh, and then and then the boondocks which is like extremely cool like i don't know no fucking badass kids like those two you know so i I try to make mine as close to you know black as possible without without degrading the race at the same time because uh i I wouldn't want to do that either Uh, right yeah and you know even like you know certain parts of your cartoon you know is uh your your animation is like pretty subtle too especially when you know and i can kind of see like parallels between like your real life and and what you put in some some of your animation so like uh that one scene on on one of your episodes where uh where like uh you you, i think you kind of take like from friday a little bit you and your friend are talking about getting a job and how yeah yeah. (laughs) that was definitely a shout out to friday that was friday (laughs) okay yeah that, that was pretty dope yeah, man. I uh, I, I look at it like this, man. All the people that do voices on my uh, family, like bro, that's the dude. Uh, hold up, hold up. It's breaking up now. Believe my real voice, just like him. So, uh, uh hold, hello. Uh, I, I, Tristan, yeah, you hear me? hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, it looks like the connection got fuzzy again. I'm still. Check, check. Hello. All right. I'm here. Okay, okay. Uh, you said, um, I'm sorry. You, uh, uh, can you take it back to um, all the people who do voices? Okay, I got you. Uh, did we lose the other dude or he? Oh, uh, I'm here. Uh, okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. So yeah, I was, I was, I was saying, uh, all the people on the, all, all the people, all the voice actors on the cartoon. Uh, I know them personally. Uh, those are the real faces of people that I know, uh, with the exception of a few characters. Uh, and, and they do the voiceovers, the dude on the stoop that from the Friday reference that you're talking about, that's my real brother. And, uh, you know, he did the voice and, and I, I I always told them, look, man, we, we gonna crack jokes on this cartoon, but I'm going to get it the worst because I don't want anybody to feel like I'm cracking on them and I don't make jokes on myself. So I take a lot of real shit that happened to me and put it in the cartoon and and just try to make light out of things that happened to me that may have not been great. So uh, it, it, it just, you know, I, I, I find I try to find humor out of things that happened to me uh, opposed to moping all the time. man. Uh, you know, you have. um you know, some of the things that you say, um, even even that perspective of looking at life um, is kind of the way that comedians uh, kind of look at things. And um, I was wondering, have you ever tried your hand at uh, at, at comedy? <laughs> well, uh, it's crazy because like like I was saying uh, back then, I, I was given the backstory. I, I originally uh, thought about doing comedy and. I remember uh, I wrote like a I wrote like a stand up session. I'm not sure how long it would have been. I may have had like four solid jokes, and that's with plugging in when the crowd was supposed to laugh and uh, 
And uh, I was supposed to do like an amateur night. It never fell through. But, uh, man, my little brother, he saw it and he was like, man, these jokes suck. And, you know, kids are brutally honest, but he didn't he didn't get it. You know, this those were jokes for adults. And uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, he he's like a big influence on my life. So I, I used to watch a lot of Eddie Murphy, but uh, I'm, I'm a very humorous guy. If once once people get to know me, it's a lot of humor. Hmm. That's what's up. Now, I feel like we jumped ahead a little bit. Um, you know, um, you you came to prominence uh, doing the the uh, iPhone cases uh, for celebs that, you know, popped off. So how did that come about? OK, well, like like I was telling you guys, I was uh, I was already doing illustrations mm-hmm. and uh, pe- people think that I just like jumped into, OK, I did a case for Nikki and that was like, oh, shit, it just took off. That's not the way it happened. I was already doing illustrations. I started to build a little name on on Instagram from uh, doing illustrations and things of that nature. And uh, I had already designed for DJ Clue. I did it. You guys are familiar with Clue, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I did, uh, did the mixtape cover for DJ Clue and, and, and I was really starting to burn up, but I was like, man, people can get tired of me just doing illustrations for people. And, you know, I, I was so frustrated. I was just riding through the city in New York city, uh, with my brother Jay, the one that's, uh, the one that's in the cartoon on the stoop. And uh, we was just riding through the city and I was I was basically like just going on a rant about how I have to do something because this is not going to last, especially with, you know, everybody wanting to be an illustrator. You know, it's, it's almost like rappers now, like every day there's a new rapper, every day there's a new illustrator. So I uh, I was telling him about it and, and there happened to be like a blank cell phone case uh in the cup holder and he picked it up he said man you ought to put your designs on this and at the time uh nobody was doing that like i said i've been doing this for four years at the time nobody was doing it so i was like man that's a great idea so uh my brother told me i should do it and uh, i'm the one who uh who 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 made it happen man from from there with nikki uh you want the story on nikki or just because that was the first lab who got a case or yeah yeah tell us the story so uh, with Nikki, I, I was I probably had been doing cases for, I'd say, two or three months. And uh, a girl that uh, I was a girl that was a friend of mine, uh, she was associated with somebody in Nikki's camp. I don't It's like 50 of those motherfuckers. So I don't know which one it was. <laughs> but uh, she was like uh, he showed Nikki Minaj your work and she loves it. She wants a case. And. You know, I I, I kind of I was like, you know, whatever. I I blew it off because I thought it was some bullshit. You know, I don't expect Nikki to know who I am, so uh, not at that time anyway. So I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, she was like, I'm gonna get all the info to you later. So then she started sending me pics and said Nikki likes this, these colors, uh, Pink Friday, things like that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna design it, but I don't expect nothing to happen out of this. So. Uh, then she sent me the address and, uh, SB at the time, Nikki was dating Scaf. Mm-hmm. uh, you know, he got a case too. And I, I sent him the picture and he was like, okay, that's fire. So I was like, shit, this might happen for real. So, uh, after I sent it off, maybe a month went by and then Nikki was on the breakfast club and, 
Uh, she, you know, she was, she had the case and I was like, oh shit. All right. This is, this is a big deal. Mm. That's what's up. So, so after that, I guess you, um, you know, things kind of skyrocketed from there. Um, so who was your next celeb from Nikki? Oh, damn. Uh, I don't, was it? I want to say it might have been LeBron. I think LeBron was after Nikki. I'm, I'm not sure, Matt. I, I, and that's not just like exaggerating. I've done thousands of cases. I can't remember in order uh, who it was, celeb by celeb, but it, it may have been LeBron. I think it was LeBron, and mm. it's a crazy story with that too, man. Uh, I was, uh, I did a case for a lady in Miami, and. Uh, it was I did a case for her and her son and uh and I was looking at her son's uh, I was just you know browsing through a page creeping you know uh and I was looking at her son's basketball picture cuz she posted a picture of her son and was like yeah here all my boys you know and I was like damn that kid right there looked like Bronny that's LeBron Jr and I was like I I, I asked her, I said I didn't know you knew LeBron and she's uh, or Savannah uh, I, I said, I didn't know you knew Savannah. And she was like, yeah, we just met and we're hanging out and blah, blah, such and such. And I was like, yo, I definitely got to get a case to LeBron, you know? And, uh, and But I never asked her because I don't ask people to do things like that. You know, you don't want to tear down a relationship trying to make it look like you need something from somebody or, you know, want a favor. So I never, I never asked her. And uh, maybe two months had passed by and uh, just one day I got an email and it was from that lady and she was like, yeah, Savannah and LeBron saw your work. They want cases. So, uh, it's, it, you guys know, man, it's, it's all about who, you know, yeah. it's all about who, you know. Yeah. Now, um, at exactly what point did, did this, um, spark in your mind? Like this is a viable business. The minute, the minute I saw Nikki with a case, I knew I was on to something. Mm. You know what? I, we could rewind that. The minute I came back from New York and uh, I did a couple sample cases and I posted it on my Instagram and I was like, if I do this, how many people will buy it? And I think I got like 800 to 1,000 comments. Wow. And, and you know, you know, you guys know realistically 800 to 1,000 people, maybe 100 of them will buy it, if that, right? So uh, I was like, well, shit, that's all I need right there, you know? So uh, I, I... I didn't give a fuck if one person said they was gonna buy it. I was doing the shit anyway. So, uh, you know, it, it just it, it. I was gonna do it anyway. But that that gave me like a boost to like, okay, nobody is doing cartoon cases right now. Let me do it first. You know. So. So how did you um you know um, um I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but how. How did you go about getting your images actually on the case? Like, did you go through a manufacturing uh, company? Oh yeah, we or? can talk. We, we can yeah, we can talk about that. Uh, okay. I uh, I, I definitely went through a manufacturer because, like, I was walking blind into the business. You know, like when I was doing illustrations, I wasn't really like sharp with business. You know, I was just trying to get money here and there for doing illustrations. So, uh, when when I jumped into the cases, I basically researched. And I, I think I was getting like $35 per case. Well, I really wasn't getting $35. Actually, I was charging $35 uh, per case. 
And then uh, then I, I think the manufacturer was getting like 20 per case. Mm. And then after shipping, I may have been getting like $10 off each case, you know, so but I just wanted to do it. I was so hungry to do it, you know, so uh, I definitely uh, I definitely went through a manufacturer in the stock. But uh, if, if you guys ever run a business or run a business, uh, you know that the middleman is the one who gets the cake. So you got to cut them out eventually. Yeah. But uh, in, in the start, I, I did go through a manufacturer. Uh, that's, I mean, that's what it is. I didn't have the money for the machine. I had 150 bucks when I started. So. Mm. So after so so after you um these phone cases blow up you know you have Nikki and LeBron under your belt how like how is how is the uh, demand after that and how much like are you working around the clock to like get these things shipped out and get the, and just like to get illustrations out period yeah uh it's like that's nobody wants to stamp your shit until they see somebody else with it right like uh. This is this is the Channel Ten podcast, but if you had Drake on your shit tomorrow, oh my god, I gotta tune into the chat. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, uh, it, it, the demand went up so much more when they saw Nikki with it. Uh, it was like I was able to go from doing thirty five dollar cases to doing a hundred dollar cases because. I knew realistically if I kept doing cases at 35, it wasn't going to do anything but burn me out and I still wasn't going to be getting paid. So uh, I I just I, I realistically had to work smarter, not harder. But I do grind. I do grind. I, I take my time on each case. I, I, you know, I don't I don't put bullshit out there. Uh, so, you know, it, it, the demand definitely became higher once certain people started to have it. And I just really was able to feed off of that energy and, and uh, raise my price in order to uh, to, to mm. give it to the people who really wanted it. So once you. Uh, so like, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay, well, like, uh, so like, so how many like how many hours do you think you were working a day up to that point to, like, to, to get everything shipped out? Uh. Man, I'd say probably 16, 17 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. I was really, like, getting it in. Mm. Really getting it in. Mm. Now, um, you know, learning from your experience uh, doing the party promotion thing and, you know, I guess having a grip of money and then, you know, investing it in a way that didn't work out, um, mm-hmm. you know, now that you start to get more money, um, how did you uh, go about, you know, researching and figuring out where to put the money in to expand your business? Uh, well, I just, I knew, I, I knew for sure I wasn't doing any more parties. Uh, I just, I really wanted to look into things that people needed more than things that they wanted mm-hmm. uh so that that that's what made me uh really want to be much besides losing it all that made me want to be smarter with my money and and until i i made people feel like they need the case more than it's it's, it's a want but i make them feel like they need it you know and uh that's that's how i try to play with my money and with as far as with animation that's like having a trade that's like being a plumber or being a barber you know you could do that forever you know once you teach yourself animation so uh, a lot of people think the bulk of my money comes from cases it comes from animation Uh you know so uh 
and, and and I do get I do get you know my fair share from cases because it's, it's not like I don't do any cases, but uh, I just wanted to focus on what's gonna get like the big checks, you know, opposed mm-hmm. to working if if i'm gonna work this amount of hours a day this is what i want to see in return opposed to you know feeling like i'm working all day for you know a couple hundred bucks or you know maxing out on a thousand or two you know so right so from like an entrepreneurial standpoint you know once you started to bring in some money um you know did the like like was your focus like okay let me figure out how to upgrade everything cut out the middleman mm-hmm. and how to do all that um so like what was your process yeah. with that yeah i uh i just i because uh, i i couldn't I couldn't get a good deal through the manufacturer like i said i was it was like twenty dollars per case and uh that's that's unreal you know mm-hmm. especially considering how many every five cases i was doing they was getting a hundred bucks and i was getting like you know what 60 so uh it, it was like this 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 is not gonna work they all they're doing is printing i gotta design i gotta do the layout i gotta ship and they're charging me to ship it to me you know so I was like, I, I I gotta see what kind of machinery I need, even with the clothes. Uh, if you got you guys been on my website, so you've seen a little bit of the clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was uh with with the clothes. I, I went through a company the first time, and I, I think I paid uh five fifty for twenty five shirts. I was like, this shit is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I I, I barely broke even uh, with with doing those shirts. They didn't even let me separated between men's and women's so i had to get 25 men's shirts give the girls all the smalls it was like a, a disaster so i said man what what machinery do i need so i could cut all these people out and start to see a return and uh i, I you know i got smarter as the years went by and got the things that i needed so i didn't have to uh deal with the middle man hmm. So, um, you know, once you, I, I mean, it sounds like you pretty much kind of built your own factory <laughs> almost. Um, it's, 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 it's very, very small time, but I, I have everything I need and I, I can't complain. So do you have people working for you now? Uh, besides the PR, I do not have anybody else. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's not that bad of a deal. Like a shirt takes what, eight seconds to make a shirt. And, uh, you know, it, it, a case is 30 seconds to actually do the actual printing on a case. And, you know, I don't mind. Like like I say, I don't mind doing the work. Eventually, I am going to pull people on and, and work for me. But they're not going to be able to tell me, oh, man, you never had to do. I, I See, I already did it. So, uh, you know, that's I, I'll, I'll be able to pull people on my team. Uh, I've spoken with uh, with investors and you know, did did pitches like Shark Tank and not the actual Shark Tank, but uh, they have angel investors out here in Baltimore and uh, things like that. Uh, but they just wanted too much in my company. You know, they they want 49 and 50 percent. I can't give that up. So uh, I probably could have had a factory by now if I would have jumped on deals. But uh, there's certain deals I'll turn down. You know, I even had one guy come to me and he told me he was an investor. And I was like, all right, well, I'll hear you out. Just he said, uh, he said, put together a business plan. So I put together a business plan and, you know, highlighted all the things that I wanted to do in order to expand. And he was like, yeah, I was thinking more like uh, if you have a project that costs two hundred dollars 
I'll put in a hundred dollars and you put in a hundred and we'll split it in half. I told that dude, I said, man, there ain't no pro there's there's no project in the hundreds that I can't afford. I said, we gotta start talking high thousands before, you know, I even may look for assistance, you know, and but we we we're definitely not talking hundreds and making any deals on that. Mm. Mm. So like when so when it comes to because it seems like um up uh, up to this point you kind of split your time between New York and Baltimore so um just like you know being in both of those different kinds of scenes do you like notice like a difference between the business cultures of like New York and Baltimore per se? Uh, well, I I honestly could say I don't think there's no nobody does business like New York like. They have a million and one hustles in New York. They, <laughs> yeah. they don't. They don't. They don't have a, a a million and one hustles in in uh in Baltimore. Like I remember one time I was in New York. I was walking through Manhattan and out of nowhere it started it started raining and and a motherfucker popped out with like ten umbrellas and was selling them. <laughs> I was like, yo, this shit is amazing. You know, I just it's it, it's not like that. It's not quite like that here. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think Baltimore is a growing city, but uh. It, it's it's still like it's still up for grabs, you know. It's still mm-hmm. up for grabs. Mm-hmm. So like, um, so you said that that the bulk of your money comes from uh, doing animations. Um, yeah. Now, what type of uh, animations are you doing? Um, I see that you do some things for some uh, nonprofits and things of that nature. Um, so can you uh, talk about your your uh, animation business? Uh yeah. Uh, I do. Uh, I do freelance two D animation. I'm. Uh, I'm working on starting to do some 3D things, but right now it's uh it's it's more 2D work, and uh you know I do like freelance commercials, 30 second TV spots. Uh, I just did well, not just did one. Well, actually, I did just do it. It was a, a project called No Secrets No Secrets Between Us, and that's a child sex abuse uh, uh, pro- uh program that we did, and and that landed on MSNBC. We just translated into a Spanish version. And uh, I'm about to illustrate the book in Spanish as well. Uh, so I do that. I'm, uh, do you want me to talk about all the uh, things that I'm involved in? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm also in, involved in, uh, in Nifty, and that's NFTE. That's the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. And uh, it's basically we'll go to schools in the uh, Baltimore DMV metro area and uh, we'll listen to kids uh, business program uh, business plans and things like that they actually these are kids like from low income homes who want we aspire uh, we encourage them excuse me to uh, to want to become business owners and uh, do things like that so they're not in the same situations that uh, their parents may have placed them in or their parents may have been placed in so uh, and man, these kids are so smart. It's not even funny, man. They just need somebody, you know, they, they want to learn. They just need a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, far too often, you know, people, um, you know, they look at the kids as just lost and especially in certain areas. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talent and potential there. Um, you know, it just takes somebody to actually, you know, pay them attention and, you know, mm-hmm. listen to what they have to say. So I definitely applaud you for doing that. Um, and I do see that you are involved in a lot of um, a lot of, you know, community work. Um, how important is that to you? And um, and, you know, uh, can you speak to some more of your uh, community initiatives that you're involved in? 
Uh, well, yeah, I, uh, I volunteered uh, with the Baltimore Child Abuse Center as, as well. And, uh, man, I just like with the with the nonprofit things and uh and and going to the schools and all that stuff man I'll be 100% honest I don't get a dime from that I don't I don't get paid to do any of that stuff not not the charity work I just do it because I remember 10 years ago when I was in school and nobody was there to come to my school and talk to us and try to lead us down the 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 you know, show us to the light. So anytime I could use my voice or speak to some of these kids and, and man, when I walk into their class, I just see their eyes light up, man, because it's like, it's a big deal out here, you know? And I, I just want, I honestly just want them to win, man. Cause there's so much potential, but again, they don't have nobody to, to, to look up to, man. It's, especially these young girls, man, they were watching this bullshit, bad girls club and, bullshit loving hip-hop and all this dumb shit that's on tv and looking at these strippers and vixens on instagram and 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 they some of them actually do aspire to want to be that and they don't know what they're aspiring to be because these girls (laughs) they don't even know what the hell they want to be but they're selling they're selling a false life on the internet and it's making people believe that so uh i I just want to be able to change a few lives man that's what's up and so, and you know, this also goes back. Uh, um, I looked at on um, the Instagram post that uh, you put up um, over uh, some months ago, and it was um, a message that you received from someone at a school that you that uh that you spoke to, and um, she he or she mentioned the fact that the, you know the young people there at least they often feel isolated and alone. And so, with that being said, I was curious to know, like you know, when you go to these schools, do you like when do you like tend to notice like a lack of um, I don't know, like artistry or like, you know, artistic interest or, um, or even within, within their curriculum inside these schools that you do uh, speak to? I, uh, I went to, I had already heard about the school. The last school I went to, it was like one of the roughest, toughest schools in Baltimore. Like when I went up there, you had to get, you had to go through a, a metal detector mm-hmm. and I was I was like, oh shit, here we go, you know. But I wasn't not gonna go, you know. First of all, I ain't scared of no kids, and you know. So I, I, I said, man, I had to go. I just I had to see it. So I went in there. First of all, when I when I go to these schools, another thing that makes me another thing that I do to identify with them is. I dress like me, how I dress on any given day. I don't, you know, I don't wear a suit and tie, you know, I, I just dress regular. I dress down. I wear whatever I want to wear, you know. So I, I went in there and uh, the kids were uh, one, one of the one of the kids in there. He had looked high as shit, like his eyes were red. I was like, I'm going to go over here and talk to him and see what he's doing, because they, they all had their PowerPoints pulled up on the computers. So I, I went over to him. I said, man, what, what what you working on here? And as soon as I said that, he was like, I'm working on a, a I'm working on a like a it's a fish tank that determines when the filter needs to be changed, the temperature, when you need to feed it. It has a motion camera. And I, and I was like. I did, you know, even I didn't expect this from this kid, you know, because mm-hmm. we we tend to look at him and be like, oh man, that's trouble right there. That's trouble. But if you just talk to him, 
you'll see that they're a lot smarter than people give them credit for. You know, some of them just act dumb just to try to be cool, and that's not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have um? Did you have any mentors at all when you were coming up? I didn't. I didn't have any. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any. I think that would have that would have put me on the game a little bit faster, but. At the same time, the humbling experience is, is the only mentor you ever need in life to get you, uh, get you on the right path. Everybody goes through that humbling experience. It's going to be something in your life that you go through, and it's really, 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 really going to tighten you up. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not a game. It's not a game. So, um, you know, what's next for you? I just looked at um, an interview that you did with uh, Marty Bass, and um, now I see you have the iPhone six cases with the with the charger in them, and you know, yeah. um, something like that. To a lot of people, it just seems so like you have to be so corporate in order to even conceive of of of, of putting something like that together. So, how did that come about? Well, I was already, uh, again, I, I always try to challenge myself and I was already doing the custom cases, but then I was like, man, uh, eventually people are going to start to do these custom cases. So what do I do to, you know, outstep the competition or, or one up the competition? And I said, man, nobody got a custom case with a battery on the inside. So uh that's that's what made me do that and i was like well i need something protective i need something with a battery on the inside i need you know so i was able to uh to 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 hook up with a with a company who was able to get me a great deal on the battery packs and uh and and i was able to make it happen i tried one out for myself and i was like okay public so uh it's definitely a great thing for athletes uh, and that's that's the majority of people who buy it because not only even if it's not a picture, they may just get their logo on it, but it's just something different. Uh, so uh, that's 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 my that's one of my moves. But my next move is uh, oh what what I hope my next move is to be. I I, I haven't uh gotten the meeting yet, but uh, it's to uh get get a get a deal with the Orioles and with the Ravens. Uh, and get some of my cases in their gift shops because I I I think their fans will love it, man. Mm. I think their fans will love it. Uh, I I already have a few a few prototypes and samples for for them to look at. We're just waiting on the meeting, so uh, that would be a big deal if I could get uh get the Ravens and the Orioles uh on board with this and uh, maybe Under Armour too. Under Armour is based in Baltimore and and they're becoming huge. Yeah. yeah. And the crazy thing about uh crazy thing about Under Armour, uh like I guys like I was telling you guys about the investor that reached out to me uh that wanted fifty percent of my company, uh he went to school with the creator of Under Armour and mm. the creator of Under Armour told him right when they were fresh out of college he said man I'm about to start this company uh it's it's like a it's it's gonna be athletic gear sports training uh wear. He said, man, I don't have a lot of money, but just come along with me and I promise I'll make you a rich man one day. And the dude didn't take the deal. He didn't come along with him. Uh. And, you know, now that dude is it's like he's trying to capitalize off of any person, you know, now to compensate for what he missed out on years ago. You know, 
So I just thought that was crazy how it's it's like six degrees of separation with that. That's crazy, man. Um, <laughs> that's just an amazing story. It seems like, you know, through all your experiences, um, I can see a book coming from you one day sooner <laughs> rather than later. Uh, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully I could, you know, lay down a book or something like that, man. Like my experiences are very, 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 very deep, man. Like, you know, and this takes a lot for a man to say, man, when 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 I was homeless, man. I well not every night, I, but I've done it before. I've you know I've shed tears, man. I shed tears because I I couldn't understand it, man. I I still remember. I had uh I had all my luggage. You guys ever seen like one of those big green military duffel bags? Yeah, yeah. I had one. I had one of those bags with all my clothes in it, and uh and that it, it had to be about forty pounds. I threw it over my shoulder, man. I had $3 left. I got a one-way Metro card in New York and literally just rode the train all day back and forth on this route just so I had somewhere to sleep. I ain't trying to go back to that, man. You know? And and that was that. I didn't hurt my heart because I didn't have nobody, you know? So that hurt, man. Man, that's man, you definitely have an amazing story. We definitely appreciate you, you know, sharing some of it with us. Um, I guess in closing, um, what advice do you have for anybody that's just trying to come up right now? Uh I'd say, and I know this sounds cliche, never quit. Cause something eventually is gonna happen for you. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd say do not let opinions affect the way that you're gonna move. Because a lot of people who are given opinions already quit on their dreams and they're scared of you actually achieving yours. And I'd say, man, give it all you got. If you're going to do it, go 100%. Don't give it 90. Don't give it 80, 70, 60, et cetera, et cetera. Give it all you got and something will shake for you. Something something will come out of the deal, but you really got to want it. You really got to want it because you're trying to go for something that doesn't physically exist. It's just the thought alone of you being the way you want to be that makes you either keep going or quit. So that's the advice that I give to everybody who's out there who's trying to go for it, man. And, and you know, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully the next time me and you guys interview, you know, we're in some, some big time, big time building, man, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we haven't, we haven't another sit down. So, uh, you know, but I, I I just, man, I really, I I'm, I'm a big fan of the underdog, man. I'm a big fan of the underdog, man. I always go for the underdog, you know, anybody who's out here trying to get it, man, and don't let nobody stop them. I'm a big fan of that. Hmm. That's what's up, man. Well, um, we thank you so much for, you know, gracing our podcast. This is a legendary interview right here. Um, thank you, man. TristanArt.com. Log on. Um, you have anything you want to plug Tristan right Art- now? Uh, TristanArt.com. Uh, Tristan's World. The, the season will be finished sometime this year. I'm still working on it, still writing. Uh, ladies, all the beautiful ladies out there. Uh, at Tristan YB T R I S T A N Y V. Uh, so that's that's about it right there. You know, I just I had to shout out the ladies. I'm single, so I figured out go ahead and you know add in. If anybody that want to follow me, we could we could we could make something happen. <laughs>
Hey man, that's what it is. Thank you so much. Um, Channel10podcast.com. Log on and we out. Peace. Appreciate Peace. you, fellas. All right, fellas. No doubt. Right. Yeah. Feeling this here. Yeah, son. You feel it, man. What up, son? You gotta just do it, yo. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up? Hold on, man. What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. What up? Yo. CNN. Network. Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face. Gather your face. Stay in place. Yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN. Network. Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas that's grown men. Bold face. Gather your face. Stay in place. Yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface.